One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This is session five of Wisdom Field Warriors. And uh, I want to continue on the theme of uh, building yourself up in your most holy emotions. We talked last time about the command in Jude 120 uh, to build yourself up in your most holy emotion, praying in the Holy Ghost, Um, because the, the analogy or the description the Hebrew meaning of, of that uh, that statement is actually the making of a superstructure, a supernatural force. Um, and every time you hear the, the Lord speak in dreams, visions, and prophecy, you are made a superstructure. You become dominant. Um, essentially, the more you hear, the more dominant you become. The more fluid you hear, uh, the more dominant you become. And so your prayer life is a foundation to hearing more fluent and being built supernaturally um, through this relationship because the Lord, you know, just as just as the, the, the scripture tells us, uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't stop it. So every time the Lord speaks into your heart, he's driving out darkness. He's, he's making your heart brighter and brighter and brighter. If you could think of it that way, and the brighter your heart becomes, the bigger, more dominant your superstructure is. Okay, and so um, you know, Paul talks. Uh, you know, Paul talks in the book of Romans. We talked the last few times a little bit about the contrast between Paul's coming to us as a father, saying, "Oh my gosh, I tried to do this as a Pharisee, tried to memorize Scripture, tried to you know achieve the law, um, and put this heavy weight." this burden on people uh, to pay their temple tax, to uh, do their attendance, to bring uh, their sacrifice, their dead sacrifice. And all of it was powerless. It couldn't save, right? And uh, so Paul, as a spiritual father, contrasting the way of the Holy Spirit versus the way of the law of Moses, is saying, lay all that junk down. It's powerless. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit will make you a supernatural force uh, on earth. He will deliver you, heal you. He'll, he'll be your best friend. He is, he is the spirit of truth. He will lead you into all truth. He will judge your enemies, right? He will, he will protect you um, from the voice, the whispering voice of the serpent, Um And in this relationship with the Holy Spirit, he speaks to you, builds you, and gives you weapons of war to crush the head of the serpent, right? We've been talking about being a warrior in the garden and not not a uh, gardener in the war. Gardeners in the war get eaten alive. They become victims. They turn over their their power. They turn over their authority uh, to Satan, uh, succumbing to the whisperings of Satan. And uh, the Lord, in his reversal, in his judgment, he restores uh, righteous judgment to men, giving them keys of authority to judge in righteousness. 
and release the power of heaven against uh, the seeds of the serpent, right? The seed of Christ, the seed of the woman, uh, or the seed of Christ birthed through a woman um, would crush the head of the serpent. That's the prophecy we've been talking about in Genesis 3.15. And so everything revolves around you being awakened to the this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit and being able to receive visions and dreams and prophecy from the Holy Spirit, knowing that he builds you up with the intent to crush your enemy, to cut off the head of your enemy, right? That's, that's the Genesis 3.15 prophecy. Um, it's a picture. It's a metaphor. Um, when you trust your, your father's voice, you're, you will be victorious. Not if, you will be, okay? And so Paul contrasts the law of Moses and conditions in the book of, of Romans um, all the way from chapter 3 through 8, where he basically combinates uh, the way of the Spirit being that the sons and daughters of God are awakened to hear the voice of God in the power of the Holy Ghost, and you are awakened into the supernatural. Okay, and uh, he gets to chapter 10, um, and he makes this statement in Romans 10, 17. He says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Um, contrary to what many people think, this does not mean scripture. Okay. Uh, the, the word word there is a Greek word rhema. He's actually talking about faith coming from the spiritual encounter with the Holy Spirit, where he gives you dreams, visions, and prophecy. And that's why your relationship with the Holy Spirit is dictated on being alive in the Holy Spirit and everything else is a waste of time. Okay, everything else is a fakeade. Going to go even even church attendance and um, you know putting enough money in a bucket or or whatever condition is a condition of being part of the church. Paul is saying that's no longer that's no longer valuable. That's no longer uh, there's no purpose in it. That is actually part of the law of Moses. And so he is saying center your life around faith coming from hearing the voice of God. Center your life around your prayer life. And when rhema comes, when, when visions, dreams, and prophecy come into your life, there's an impartation out of heaven. Okay, we, we talked last time. I, I spent a lot of time with stories where the Lord sent me to impart through, through prophecy, to impart to people um, something that made them supernatural. And they embraced the way of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so... It's pretty simple, guys. Uh, you know, deafness to the voice is powerless. It's dead religion. You might as well be a, you could be a Buddhist. You could be the best sinner on earth. You could be um, anything. It's, it's really um, having appearance of righteousness. Jesus was actually more, he was angry at the sinner, or he was angry at the uh, fake uh, righteous pharisee and sadducee and actually welcomed the sinner why because the, the sinner was actually just enjoying the world the sinner was just doing what they do to cope being in the world right but the pharisee and the sadducee they were trying to appear righteous to men and it made jesus furious he said you are fake you you misrepresent me you don't even know me you can't hear my voice Jesus, Jesus centered everything on having visions and dreams and hearing the voice of the Father. 
Okay, in John John chapter five, the, he's in an argument with the Pharisees. He's calling them deaf, dumb, and blind. He's calling them vipers. He's t- he says, "You are of your father the devil because you listen to his whisperings and you put weight on men." Um, and he he says. He goes, you have no idea. I I live a supernatural life and you live a life under conditions. And he says in in, uh, John 5.19, he says, I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. He was pointing to the fact that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had relationship with the the Holy Spirit. And the, the Holy Spirit spoke to Jesus continually in visions and dreams. He spoke all the time. And Jesus was made supernatural by the vision, by the rhema of God. Faith worked everywhere Jesus went. He imparted, he cast out devils, he healed the sick, raised the dead, he preached to thousands, um, fed them supernaturally with, with the multiplication of the bread and the fish. He did everything supernaturally through visions and, and dreams and, and the voice of God. It was the rhema that he imparted. He released heaven on earth. The Pharisees just enforce conditions. And Jesus said, you guys are stupid. You guys are literally deaf, dumb, and blind to the Holy Ghost, right? And in this argument in John 5, he gets down to verse 38, and he says, listen, guys, you search the scripture because you think you can find life in it, but you can't even see me, the Messiah, the living one, the one out of heaven, standing in front of your eyes. You're deaf, dumb, and blind to me. You are deaf in the spirit. You are powerless. You're fake. Are you catching this, guys? Jesus was distinguishing between guys who tried to appear righteous, reading scripture, doing, trying to, uh, you know, achieve the conditions of the law of Moses. And, and, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I have a completely different operating system that makes me supernatural. And it's as simple as this. I know the Holy Spirit, the very one you refuse, the one you blaspheme against, the sin that will never be forgiven. The one sin that will never be forgiven is you refuse the Holy Spirit. Okay? And Jesus was furious at the self-righteous Pharisee that used Scripture to make themselves appear righteous to men. Okay? And this is a very big point because... Jesus pointed, uh, Je- Jesus pointed to the fact that this powerlessness uh, was number one because you know they refused the way of the Holy Ghost. They refused the connection with the Holy Spirit. They they had no gifts of the Holy Spirit. They had no discerning of spirits. They had no pr- prophetic utterance. They had no words of knowledge because they couldn't have visions, dreams. They couldn't hear the voice of God. Okay. And Jesus goes on in in, uh, in another argument in Luke 11 with these Pharisees, um, and he basically is saying this. And if you can picture Jesus sarcastically saying, looking at them, um, they're they're basically accusing Jesus of casting out demons because he knows Beelzebub. And Jesus says, "No, no, no, guys." Um, in in Luke 11 verse 20, he says, "But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the Holy Ghost." That that's what the reference of the finger of God is. It's the hand out of heaven. He comes out of heaven in visions, dreams, and prophecy, the rhema of God to impart faith, to drive demons out of people, to save them, not to condemn them, but to save the sinner. Okay. 
And so he, he, says, he says when a stronger one comes, he drives out the demons from the people. And Jesus is basically saying, no, no, guys, I am the strong one. I am, right? Jesus stood up um, on multiple occasions. He says, no, 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 I am the guy. I am the one, right? I am the son of God. And you've got to learn literally to lay down these conditions, guys, and function like Jesus and say, listen, I am the son. I am. I mean, you guys should be looking in the mirror every day for like the next month and go, I am. You got. You should have an attitude. You should have confidence and you should not feel condemned by looking in the mirror and saying, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God because I hear the Holy Spirit. I embrace the way that Jesus Christ paved, the, the way that Jesus Christ paved for us to believe and receive the Holy Spirit and receive his visions, dreams, and prophecy. I am the son. I am the awakened one that he baptized, that he would give the Holy Spirit to, to send me in the world, to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, and do the supernatural, Right? And we talked last time about the heart of a person who holds on to that seed. If you, if you hear the rhema of God, if you hear the vision of God, Satan is absolutely afraid of you holding on to it and becoming and saying, I am the son. I am the one sent to cast out demons. I am the one to raise the dead, heal the sick, right? Satan is shaking in his boots at the person who embraces everything that Christ says they are. Why? Because the person who holds on to what Jesus says they are is, is a supernatural one. They are one that will do things that you can't even fathom. I mean, I've told you guys stories that are, are way beyond normal, right? I mean, who in the world would actually, you know, believe the Lord to be sent to do something supernatural in a, in a place that only the Lord could work his supernatural power and awaken people uh, through impartation. And that's really what um, the embrace of the Holy Spirit is. When you realize that the Lord has come to embrace uh, or to impart something to you, you then realize that you have something to impart. Okay? When you receive the impartation of the Holy Spirit day after day after day, knowing that he has more to speak to you. He has more to say to you. He's going to make you a superstructure when you pray in the Holy Spirit so that when you go places and when you begin to pray um, and prophesy over people, you begin to impart heaven into them and drive out demons, raise people from the dead, call people to life prophetically, break the power of death and, and drug addiction and all this stuff that literally imprisons and chains people by these demonic powers because of your relationship with the Holy Spirit and hearing his voice, you become a supernatural power. You are a superstructure and Satan is deathly afraid of that. And so the parable of the sower is central to understanding the kingdom. 180 times in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom is about the embrace of the equipping of the Holy Spirit that literally connects you to the heart of the Father to release heaven on earth. And you then become the dominant one. 
You, you are no longer a victim on the earth. You are a dominant one in the garden to actually expand the garden, to invade the, 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 the places that have been limited previously to your previous generations and to those around you. you. Because you believe and you know the Holy Spirit, you then expand the boundaries. You dominate the garden. And that's what the giving of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom is. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent actually means to change your mind. He's, and he's talking to, at the time, he's talking to the Jewish people. He's saying, no longer is your mind to be set on conditions. Your mind is to be set on the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we talked last time about, we talked last time about, um, that's really the revelation that Paul was getting you to as he's talking in Romans 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. He's getting you to the point of realizing the conditions are powerless. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he has the revelation. There's no condemnation in the Holy Spirit. There is no condemnation in Christ. It's the law that condemns. It's powerless because it's supposed to condemn you to get you to fall on your face, to change your mind, to repent and receive the kingdom. Right? And, he, and, and in Romans 8, 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the oracle, we talked about that, that uh, several sessions ago, the oracle of the Lord, the voice, makes you free from the law of sin and death. So what makes you free? What gives you life? Every day of your life, what, makes, what gives you life? What literally gives you supernatural nourishment? that you need every day is the voice of God. It's the dream, the vision, the prophecy, the rhema. Okay? In your life, and that's, you know, I've talked, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some more time talking about the gift of tongues, but I talked last time about, you know, Jude 1.20, build yourself up in your most holy emotion. If you were to recenter your life and to become something supernatural because of your prayer life and the the uh, relational dynamic of the Lord speaking into you with dreams and visions, he actually makes you something supernatural that you could never do on your own. And that's the essence of repenting. You have, you, you've got to realize what Jesus was saying. No longer is this about conditions in a temporary time of, you know, just trying to get people through before the coming of Christ. This is now about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord himself will speak to you in dreams and visions, and he will build you. He will make you supernatural. And that's what Satan fears, you becoming supernatural, right? Because he knows somebody who's supernatural, who has the seed. The seed is actually the rhema from the Lord, the vision and the dream. That rhema will crush the head of the serpent every time. For example, if Satan comes and he's whispering to you, and you're struggling with fear and anxiety, um, guess what? You begin to pray in tongues and all of a sudden the presence of God, it, com it he comes and he begins to strengthen you. And whether he takes you to a scripture or he speaks a vision to you, um, literally that impartation and you begin to say, oh yeah, this is what the Lord just said to me. Satan, he's crushing your head, right? And as you begin to speak what the Lord is saying to you, that anxiety breaks, that fear breaks, Right? That's, the, that's how sons of God are awakened to realize this is really real. 
what the Lord says has power in it. It has super, it's a supernatural force that has power in it. Okay. And so I want to spend a minute, um, talking about, uh, Ephesians 6 because Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10, is a very well-known warfare scripture um, that's very much aligned with the parable of the sower. And I want to reinforce the concept of warfare, right? You are in a war and you need to learn that you don't win the war by conditions. You, you win the war because of your relationship with the Holy Spirit and believing what the Holy Spirit is saying, okay? And so uh, Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10, I'm going to read uh, through verse 18, okay? It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand having done all to stand, okay? And so he's pointing you to the same revelation that Jesus was pointing to you in the parable of the sower. Only Paul's using a different analogy. He's actually telling you straight up, you are dealing with demonic powers. You're dealing with principalities. Uh, you are dealing with ruling spirits. You are, you are dealing with a demonic force that is designed with, and, and has an intent to destroy you to literally take from you, to take from your heart life. And Paul is, Paul is giving you the analogy here um, that you are to stand, okay? To stand in the evil day knowing that the enemy is coming, going to come against you. It's not if, it's he is going to come against you. Why? Because he's going to whisper in your ear and try to get you to act like Adam. He's going to try to get you to give up your authority, to fall down dead, to roll over and actually believe you're afraid, you're depressed, you can't, you won't achieve, and to believe the lies, okay? And the Lord, the Lord, or, or in, in this case, you know, when Paul is saying to stand, he's actually saying you need to take a heart position. Just like Jesus said in the parable of the sower, um, the, the heart that holds on to the seed, the living voice of God, the rhema, will receive, not only receive faith, but it will multiply, okay? It will multiply, that you will reproduce spiritually, right? And in this case, Paul is saying, stand against the wiles of the devil, okay? He's saying to actually hold on to something. We haven't, we haven't, you know, gotten to the point of the scripture where he's saying how to stand, but he's basically confirming exactly what Jesus said in the parable of the sower, that something is going to attack the heart and steal what can reproduce, okay? And Paul is saying, stand in the evil day because the demonic powers are coming against you. So let's get into how uh, Paul, or what Paul is pointing to here with this fight. He says, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, again, this isn't scripture, guys. Contrary to what you may think or what you've been taught before, 
You know, I've heard I've heard preachers, you know, getting people to memorize scripture and to repeat scripture. Um, listen, this this the the meaning of the of the word word here when he says in the end of verse seventeen, which is the word of God. It's it's the word rhema. Okay, the word rhema, as we've said here in the last few minutes. Um, Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the rhema. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying to stand because of the, stand in the strength of the rhema, okay? The dream, the vision, the prophecy, the direct voice of the Lord is your war gear. It is your armor. And so can I, can I paint a picture for you that would simplify the understanding of the scripture? Okay. Contrary to what a lot of guys talk about, you know, your helmet is something different, your shield is something different, your sword is something different. That's not really, that's not really true. Paul is actually articulating a very simple way of warfare and how to stand here. He's actually saying the word of God, the, the rhema, the vision, the dream, and the prophecy is your helmet, the vision dream or prophecy is your sword it is your shield it is your helmet it is what you shod your feet with it's how you walk it's how you run it's how you wield offensively and it's how you protect yourself defensively it's very simple when you begin to believe what the lord spoke to you and you hold it in your heart knowing that satan is coming to steal that seed and you hold on to that vision with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. It is your armor. It is both offensive and defensive. The vision itself is the seed. Okay. The prophecy is the seed. The direct voice of God. The dream is a seed. Okay. Okay. I had to believe that when the Lord spoke to me in a series of dreams in 2015 and said, you are, you are a man from India will call you to go. Um, I had to believe it. He actually told me to pack my suitcase six months prior to going to India. And I had to believe that I was, I was going overseas to do a supernatural thing, to lead crusades, to do something that was impossible for me to do. I didn't know anybody. Okay. I had to literally believe for a time and a season, the vision, the dream that the Lord gave to me and what he spoke to me in dreams, um, it, was my, it was my helmet. I had to set my mind on what the Lord said. It was my shield. I had to believe that the Lord would protect me when I believed it. It was my offensive weapon that I used to cut off the head of Satan every time he came and said, that's a lie. You're not going to India. That you're, that you don't know anybody. You don't have any money. Da, 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 all this junk. And I had to believe, okay? I had to believe what the Lord said. It, there's nothing else. If, you, if you're wasting all your time trying to articulate scripture and, and paint this picture around your life, um, you know, using different types of understanding or, or whatever of scripture, you know, some of that can support you. Some of it can be a little challenging. At the end of the day, it comes down to the seed, do you believe what the Lord spoke to you? And I'm here to tell you by experience um, of being sent to churches, sent to individuals, sent to 
the other side of the world to minister to thousands of people. Um, what he speaks to you is your armor. It is a, both offensive and defensive. And we're going to talk in some of the future sessions about how this offensive weapon is used. But the point, the simple point is with, with where I want to go with the understanding today is that the rhema of God, the vision of the Lord is, it, it has, it contains faith. It, it contains an impartation. And when you believe it and begin to speak it, it releases that impartation. You then begin, your heart literally begins to give or to change the atmosphere around you by what you hold in your heart, okay? And, you know, when whenever you are trained by the Lord to believe when there's no reason to believe and you hold on to the seed and suddenly the seed opens, it takes root, it, it you know, a shoot comes up, it becomes a tree and produces fruit. Um, once you do it once, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so simple. Yet the church, the common church, has made all these conditions, all these things, all this stuff um, so complicated. So it's, and a lot of it, guys, is dead religion. And if you go to places in the world where they're truly persecuted, like if you go to Iran, the largest, fastest growing church in uh, the world is in Iran. And do you know why? Their, their model is simple. Get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Get them to hear the voice of the Lord. Teach them the voice of the Lord and hold to uh, hold on to it with all their strength, all their might, all their soul. And whatever he tells you to do, you go do it. And you know what's happening? People believe what the Lord says and they go into the next living room. They pray for people. They get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then, you know, the 15 people that are huddled um, in, a, in a room, knowing that if they walk out in the street, they can get beheaded. They are willing to die because they heard the voice of the Lord. The Lord's voice is their armor. And each of those 15 people go into 15 other living rooms with 15 people. And they all lay hands on people and get, they get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Teach them to hear the voice of the Lord. Hold on to it with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. And it becomes a supernatural multiplicating force. Okay? What would happen in America if we literally laid down our dead religious conditions and truly became as simple as the Lord uh, uh, intended for this whole thing to be, that it's by faith. You are, you are known by in heaven by your faith, by your relationship in hearing the Lord and hold on, holding on to what he says and literally executing what he says, okay? And he's, what he says to you is the most ultimate weapon there is. I mean, I've, I've told you stories. I told you the last time about being sent up to that church in Cambridge, Ohio. And, um, you know, the Leah-Rachel uh, contrast and this guy begging for God to send somebody to help him. And suddenly this guy begins to prophesy. He was equipped with a gift of prophecy um, that he never had before. And, and I mean, those are examples of following the voice and trusting the voice when it appears like there's no reason to do it. And so I encourage you guys, um, his seed that he's planting in your heart, the vision, the dream, the prophecy is your weapon of war, right? It is what makes you supernatural. And um, there's, a, there's another scripture I want to introduce here in uh, Psalm 149. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, these warring weapons will bring vengeance, 
on the nations and every resistant power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment decreed against their enemies. This is the honor he gives to all his godly lovers. And so what have I been teaching you? Fall in love with the Holy Spirit, hear his voice. And what you speak, what you hear in the dark, and you speak in the light, will release the kingdom of heaven on earth, right? And so, you know, he, he, he describes it here, the psalmist describes it as warring weapons, bringing vengeance. As we discussed uh, several meetings ago, what, it, where, what is the Lord's vengeance against? It's not against you, it's against the demonic powers. When the Lord says he brings vengeance on the nations and every resistant power to bind kings, he's talking about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. The vengeance of God is against the enemies of God, not the people, okay? The people of the Lord are seen through the blood of Jesus as judged innocent. No longer are they guilty, they are judged innocent. And so you, under the blood of Jesus, are if you are struggling with any condemnation, rejection, fear, anxiety, that's, a, that's the voice of condemnation still working in you. It's the voice of evil, and you've got to confront that lie. Because Jesus says, I came to give peace, I came to give joy, I came to give uh, freedom and liberty uh, you know, for you, and I will bring vengeance against the enemies of God. I will crush their head. That's, that's the prophecy in, in Genesis 3.15, right? When the, when the prophetic is released in, into the place where you're to prophesy, the word of the Lord, the rhema, you are re releasing vengeance, you are releasing judgment against the enemies of God, against the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. That's how you cast out devils, okay? And we're going to talk, we're going to get into uh, that in a, in a deeper way. Um, form uh, probably in the next session or the session after that as uh, we dig deeper into this wisdom-filled warrior concept. Um, but I want, to, um, I want to make sure that your heart is set on a revelation of the, of the garden and you being called as a warrior in the garden and not a gardener in the war. Are you Adam? Do you have the heart of Adam or do you have the heart of Christ? Okay, because the heart of Christ has vengeance, vengeance against the enemies of God, because you have absolute love for the Lord himself. Amen. And so in this, uh, in this, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read you uh, a dream that the Lord gave me to when the Lord started to help me understand this new dimension or this new perspective that we are to function in. Okay. In this dream, I'm standing at a gate where an angel is guarding entry into a garden. Jesus and the Holy Spirit stand at the gate where they are placing armor on me. All of the prophecies they have spoken to me, all of the dreams, the visions are being written on my body as they put armor on me. They open the gate where there is a throne. Jesus looks me in the eye, face to face, eye to eye, and he speaks this scripture out of Isaiah 32, verse 16. He says, then judgment will dwell in the wilderness. Jesus walks me into the garden and places me on a throne. My eyes are taken by the beauty of the flowers. The roses are stunningly beautiful. However, a large snake appears by the, uh, 
a large snake appears, but the snake cannot see me. Only I can see the snake. It slithers uh, toward me, thinking that, um, you know, it's it's coming up upon me in a way that I can't see it, but I can see it. I'm admiring the beauty, but aware of the enemy around me. It begins to tempt me and entice me with things. It whispers many things in my ears. What the snake does not know is that as it whispers, a fire begins burning in my belly. Something inside of me, which is the Holy Spirit, begins to respond to the whispering of evil coming into my soul. My heart becomes furious with the serpent that is working to take my eyes off of the beauty in the garden. The serpent becomes even more brash in its enticement of my heart, but I will not succumb to the deception. I suddenly turn and look at the serpent face to face. The serpent is shocked as I begin to prophesy. The snake begins to shake. I reach out my left hand, having immense strength, grabbing the serpent by the neck, pulling it toward me as I wield the sword in my right hand to cut off his head. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and many angels suddenly come rushing into the garden through the gate, rejoicing and laughing as they shouted, victory in the garden. This is the kingdom of heaven. And the picture that I described to you is actually what happens to a person when they are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to operate in you. You begin to discern not only the beauty of the world and the things around you, but you can discern the serpent, the, the discerning of spirits, this evil thing that is uh, lurking, trying to deceive me. And the burning in my belly is actually, I'm not sitting on that throne alone, giving opportunity to rule in a garden. I'm sitting there with the Holy Spirit inside of me and the Holy Spirit is sent to protect me, to help me. And that burning raises up an indignation. It raises up this heart of vengeance that says, I am not going to tolerate this evil thing whispering in my ear. I'm actually going to take authority over it. I'm going to crush it and kill it as I begin to prophesy the word of the Lord, Lord against it. And this dream was very powerful in reforming my heart and reforming the kingdom view versus common dead religious church view. Can I tell you this, guys? Unfortunately, there's the, a large percentage. I'm going to say 80 plus percent of the churches in America are dead, powerless religion. They don't embody the kingdom. They don't represent uh, the kingdom. Um, what I'm preaching and what I'm teaching you um, it would not even be allowed in a pulpit. It would cause too much of a stir. There'd be bodies on the floor. There'd be prophecy. There'd be demons cast out of people. There'd be the supernatural. And that's not welcome because that's not normal church in America. And I'm here to tell you guys, you know, part of the issue of laying down your conditions is being willing to walk away from a dead thing and be, and saying something like, all right, Holy Ghost, if you're real, I need baptized in the Holy Ghost. I need this rhema stuff. I need to hear you. I need, need a heart, uh, a, a heart reformation. I need to be made supernatural by hearing your voice and dreams and visions and making me something that I could never be on my own. And so um, we're going to pray uh, for that here in a minute. But um, I just wanted to kind of reinforce these points 
here today by by giving you a story um, that will help articulate um, the impartation of the Holy Spirit and the courage, the strength, and what the Holy Spirit is intended to do. Um, the Lord got me connected probably about six or seven years ago with a particular church in central Ohio. And uh, the first time I ever went there, um, I stood, I was, I was scheduled to preach. I was scheduled to preach and prophesy multiple times on Saturday and then uh, multiple times on Sunday. And, you know, usually, and this is just what I've learned with the Lord. I sit down, I try to hear what he wants to do. And usually when I go, (laughs) things change and I just let the Holy Spirit do his thing and supernatural things happen. And, um, so on this particular, uh, you know, I, I showed up on Saturday. I, the, I, they introduced me. I stood in the pulpit, and I felt this amazing presence coming into the room to the point where I started to, I literally, the, the heavy, weighty presence of the Holy Spirit came so powerfully. I started to, like, I feel that I couldn't speak. I started to laugh. And all of a sudden, the people, like, People started to cry. People started to laugh. People fell out of their chairs. I didn't even speak. I was. It was just like oh, it literally took your breath. And um, after about thirty minutes, people literally just laying on the floor in the presence of the Lord. Um, the Lord released me to begin prophesying over people. And you know, we went on throughout the night. But I mean, I left that that evening, I was like, what was that? Why? Why did you do that? And so the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, he woke me up at like 4am. And he began to speak to me about what was going to face this church, and how the enemy was coming to destroy this church, and that he was giving me something to impart to them. And man, I'm telling you what, my hands I've had anointings that I've imparted to people and I've seen dead people. I've seen dead babies come to life. I've seen some supernatural things and powerful anointings. But what came on me to give to this church uh, or actually to the leaders of this church, um, my hands were vibrating. um, And the the Lord told me when I started the Sunday morning service, all he wanted me to do was to impart his presence. And I started laying my hands on people. And I mean, the whole church is laid out on the floor. There's no one standing. And all we did is like the the glory, like this heavy, weighty glory filled the room. And it was like, <gasps> and um, I started, uh, when the, the Lord again released me to prophesy over the leaders of this church. And the prophecy was that they were going to be challenged like they never was challenged before. Um the church was actually going to be challenged as to whether or not it would keep its doors open. But when they got through the season, what they truly are in Christ would be revealed and it would begin to multiply. Okay. And I prayed for these guys and um, I mean, it was just wild, but they went through a season where they started operating in the supernatural and the, and the average church goer, it was too spiritual right? It was too real. It was too Holy Ghost. They were used to conditions and and dead places. And so a lot of people left um, and it appeared the church was going to die. But actually the Lord was doing something supernatural in these leaders to trust his vision, to trust his prophecy. And, um, you know, there was actually a coven 
a local coven in the mix of all this that was sending witches into services and you know um i'm, I'm giving telling you the story because it's on one level an individual um has to hold on to the seed to reproduce hold on to the vision the dream the prophecy that will one day reproduce and the challenges that come spiritually on the attack of the individual heart but as you are leading a church and you are in the midst of a transformation anytime the lord speaks to you he's going to transform you it's never going to be the same you can't hold on to the old thing you've got to hold on to what he said so that the new thing can be birthed right that's the in in the midst of the darkness the seed grows roots and it produces a tree and fruit comes from it okay and so literally a local coven was sending witches into their service i mean they had every reason to quit they were they were being chastised they were being abused there were curses being released by these witches um and we were you know we were helping you know they would bring me in and i'd i'd sniff out one of these witches in the middle of service and when i was done prophesying over them a witch would be shaken in the middle of the floor and um it was just it was a wild season um but the point being is satan at that level was sending people to destroy what the lord was trying to build but they got through the season and now life multiplication is happening in this place and um i'm just saying i just want to encourage you guys you know if you're a pastor um and the lord is is literally you know telling you to stop what you were used to and what you were comfortable with um and start a new thing i just encourage you dude you're wasting your time you are literally wasting your time if you think you, you can actually keep going because once you hear his voice once he speaks to you you're either going to obey it or disobey it okay and i encourage you to obey it because life only comes from the seed and that there if you're in disobedience you end up being like saul saul appeared righteous even though he heard the lord he refused what the lord was saying and so i encourage um you know if there's any pastors listening if there's any um people who are in the midst of the valley of decision of do i believe do i hold on to this is this real i just want to tell you um it's real guys and the lord will execute his vision he will what he shows you in the night in the dark in dreams and visions um, or whatever you received in prophecy is the rhema of the lord and he promised that he will execute the vision okay and so father i just i just release the grace of faith lord that you would impart a grace to believe when it appears like there's no reason to believe lord that the people would see that the rhema of god the vision the dream the prophecy the thing that's going to lead them in the new place it is their helmet it is their breastplate it is their shield of faith it is their offensive sword it is what shods their feet to walk and move in it um the vision lord i pray is their strength and that they would stand in the evil day against the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that come to steal that seed lord i pray for supernatural uh encouragement and desire to come upon them to pray like they've never prayed before in tongues lord i pray that they would pray in a way that they would uh, be granted the building of a superstructure that would become a force on earth to to um do the supernatural lord that you've called them to do i pray lord in jesus name for grace upon grace 
upon everybody hearing this right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I align my heart with every person who's in a struggle right now. Um, Lord, that they've heard you, but the enemy has come to steal that seed. I rebuke every demonic power that's coming against them. I rebuke what is making them dry, what, what is making them doubt, what is choking out the seed. I break those lies in the name of Jesus. I command the, the whispering, uh, lying voice of the serpent to go in the name of Jesus. And I decree over you that the rhema word of the Lord coming out of the mouth of those speaking will crush your head, Satan, that you are a victim of the sons of God. You are a victim of the daughters of God who align their heart in hearing the Lord and speaking the Lord's decree, raining down judgment upon the demonic kings and principalities and powers. This is what the Lord says he empowers his lovers to do. I encourage you guys to study study that scripture in, in Psalm 149 because when you fall in love with what the Lord is saying and you hold on to it with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, he empowers his lovers to rain down vengeance upon their enemies. And then when you rain it down upon your enemies, you will be sent to help those who will also one day reproduce so, Father, in Jesus' name, let the blessing of holding on to the seed come upon these hearers. Lord, let them reproduce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, let there be some who reproduce 1,000 fold, 10,000 fold, 100,000 fold, a million fold. Lord, awaken the Billy Grahams. Awaken the deliverance ministers. Awaken those, Lord, who will take the real gospel across America across the nations, Lord, to pour out your spirit upon all flesh and giving everybody a chance to dream the dream of the Lord and have the vision of the Lord and to release the supernatural on earth as the seed of life is birthed in the heart of men. Lord, let this grace of reformation come upon every person hearing this right now in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, have a great day. Have a great week and uh, I'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.